Hello and welcome. My name is Sophia Besch and you're listening to the CER podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm in conversation with John Springford, who is Director of Research here at the Center for European Reform, and Camino Matera Martinez, who's calling in from Brussels, where she's the eyes and ears of the CER. Welcome both. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Sophia. The beginning of this week, we've had the Tory party conference and quite a lot of extreme rhetoric about the rights of EU migrants in the UK after Brexit. And I think the first question that I want to start out with is how serious should we be taking these remarks by Liam Fox, by Home Secretary Amber Rudd and by the Prime Minister Theresa May herself? John? Um, I mean, we should be taking them seriously politically, I think, not necessarily as policy proposals. Um, you know, Amber Rudd, the Home Secretary, said that uh, the UK government is thinking about making companies disclose the number of foreign staff that they have. And obviously, there was a huge backlash against this when uh, when she announced this on Sunday. Um, and she uh, subsequently backtracked a bit and said, you know, this is just one option that we're considering. Um, and, uh, you know, in Theresa May, when she said that, uh, you know, foreign doctors in the UK who are working for the NHS um, may have to go after 2025 because... Uh, the government is going to train up lots of doctors and therefore make the NHS self-sufficient. I think we should also not really take that too seriously because um, she also backtracked a bit. She said uh, in an interview afterwards that uh, this didn't necessarily mean that foreign doctors would have to leave and we're just looking for to train more UK doctors. What they're trying to do is signal to the Tory party faithful and to the public at large that they're going to get tough on immigration. Um, but I don't necessarily think that these policy announcements will become policy. Camino, John has talked about the signalling in a domestic context. So what are uh, these Tory politicians trying to tell their own constituencies? But you are in Brussels, and I think what British politicians might forget from time to time is that Europe is listening and Europe is watching as these dis debates unfold. How have you been perceiving the reactions? Yes, I'm not only in Brussels, I'm also part of this 2.2 million uh, EU citizens working for UK companies. Um, so I, I think I have, I have a different vision um, of, of, this, of this debate in that respect. Um, I agree with John, I don't think that we should take it at face value, but I think they do send a very worrying message uh, to the EU27 um, in the sense that it seems that the UK government is, is, is keen in adopting some sort of aggressive negotiation stance when it comes to the rights of EU migrants. They haven't been very well received, obviously, here in Brussels, and uh, they haven't been well received in national capitals either, with all major media in countries like mine, Spain, or Italy, France, uh, obviously uh, Central European uh, countries as well, uh, warning that the UK might actually stop uh, welcoming migrants thoughts from different states. I think that's very worrying. And uh, I think that's going to complicate probably negotiations uh, when it comes to, to Brexit. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I think the really two big things that come out of the conference in terms of uh, what this means for the future is that Theresa May made it pretty clear that we're going to ha have a hard Brexit if you define hard Brexit as leaving the single market. Um and also, as Camino says, that uh, Liam Fox said that uh, the rights of EU nationals already here in the UK are a main card in the negotiations. Um, and if we if we talk about the uh, the hard Brexit 
announcement, as it were, for for a moment. I mean, there's been a, a pretty big reaction in the markets. Um, sterling has fallen further than it than it has uh, than it had immediately after the vote on the announcement. Um, it's now down to about one point two four on the dollar, which is uh, nearly as low as uh, nineteen eighty five when there was a very big. Uh, shift in the exchange rate. And that's because traders uh, think that a hard Brexit is going to be pretty economically damaging for the UK. Um, the uh, the rest of the EU is going to retaliate if the UK insists on leaving free movement. Uh, we don't know exactly what the retaliation will be, um, but it's likely to be pretty significant, particularly in the services sector, which is such an important uh, exporting sector for the UK. And I think, I think it's also um, unclear um, Exactly how the uh, um, how the rest of the EU will respond um, in terms of exactly what their reciprocal measures will be. Um, but as Camino says, you know, there's been a pretty strong stance taken by Merkel and Hollande since the Tory Party conference. So Merkel told a, a German business conference um, that any exception to the EU single market rules would and I quote, mean a systemic challenge for the entire EU. Um, and if you compare that to uh, President Hollande's statement um, to another conference that uh, the EU had to be firm because otherwise we would jeopardise the fundamental freedoms of the EU um, and other countries would, would might leave the EU to try and get all the benefits without any of the obligations. So it seems pretty clear that uh, Paris and Berlin are going to work in tandem on this issue um, and they're going to be pretty tough with the UK. Um, and all of this anti-immigrant rhetoric from UK politicians is only making them uh, act more toughly. Yeah, if I may say something as well, from a pure uh, EU law point of view, if you go for a hard Brexit, which basically takes the, the UK out of the single market and basically stops free movement, that works both ways. So obviously it works on the, as I was saying, 2.2 million EU citizens in the UK, but it will also work on the 1, 2.2 million of UK nationals in the EU. So it's not even a, a political question any longer if you decide to, to stop uh, applying all these laws and all these instruments. Uh, automatically, your citizens will also be deprived of all the rights that the movement takes, uh, which I think is, is a side of the debate that is somehow uh, forgotten in the UK sometimes. Okay, so I do want to come back to one of the proposals, which is uh, Liam Fox's remark, which I think um, is worth looking at a bit closer also from a legal perspective. So what Liam Fox has said is that no guarantee would be given to the rights of the EU citizens uh, that are currently in the UK to remain until reciprocal rights were agreed for British citizens in Europe. And I'm not a lawyer, but it feels like that should be illegal. It feels like it should be illegal to retroactively withdraw rights from citizens that arrived in the UK thinking that the legal situations and their legal rights would be different. Camino? Yeah, there are many interesting legal points to be made here. Uh, you have to look at different scenarios when it comes to court selling, as I was saying, the rights of EU migrants. Um, you have to think about whether or not this uh, rights are going to be are going to be uh, limited um, before, after, or during Brexit. And uh, now we have a new element, which is, as you know, this uh, this uh, Great Repeal Act, uh, which is going to have the effect of uh, repealing all uh, well, the European Communities Act uh, of uh, 1972, and hence 
will have an effect on, on, on the legality of, of how can we limit the rights of humanity. But Camino, um, um, Camino is, is that right though? I mean, the, the, I thought the point of the Great Repeal Act was to enshrine EU law in UK law so that actually EU, EU law continued to have effect in the UK. The idea is that any uh, EU regulation which doesn't have direct effect will be will be written into the UK statute book and only to be repealed later subsequent to the negotiation. Right, but it depends, right? Because I think that that's the idea of the whole thing, that you you would be able to choose those regulations yeah, that you like and those that you don't like. Mm. And those regulations that you like you will write them into you into UK law and those regulations that you don't, don't like you're gonna repeal them. That's right. So once uh, the UK indeed has left the European Union has repealed uh, so, for example, the, the citizenship, citizenship directive, sorry, um, then there is nothing, obviously, uh, the European Commission or the European Court of Justice can do uh, to, to force the UK uh, to let EU migrants stay in the UK in the same conditions as UK nationals. However, before that, um, EU law is in full application in the UK, as we know, EU law uh, free movement uh, basically uh, obliges countries to treat EU nationals in the same way as their own nationals, especially if they are working, studying, or have position means. So that means that before uh, this repeal takes place, it's going to be legally very difficult for any government to actually um, so to speak, kick out uh, EU migrants. In the same way, after the repeal takes place, so once the European Commission and the European Court of Justice have nothing to say about it, uh, EU migrants will still be able to resort to British law and uh, British courts, right, to British law, um, because of uh, the, the human rights uh, to private life and to family life. And that might sound uh, something very vague, but it's actually not. There is a, uh, a vast case law from the European Court of Human Rights, and uh, and there is, as I was saying, um, a human rights enshrined also in, in UK law itself by the Magna Carta, uh, by which you cannot uh, basically stop people from leaving a country when when they have moved to that country on the on the illegitimate expectations that their moving there was legal, and also they have maybe. Uh, build families, they have maybe uh, worked and contributed to the community, and they have this, uh, this legitimate uh, expectation of being a part of the community of the country. So even if EU law is not at, at play in this, in this uh, particular um, case, uh, there will be some international law and even some British law that could be used by EU citizens already uh, in the country for the Brexit date um, happen uh, to actually ensure that the rights are respected. Um, so, so can I just ask one last question then, Camilo, which is, um, if that's the case, then will the EU27 think that Liam Fox is basically bluffing? Because um, if, if it's, you know, as you say, it's the legal situation is pretty clear that uh, the UK won't be able to kick out lots of EU migrants after the date of Brexit, then... Um, Will the EU27 think, well, you know, actually this isn't a big bargaining chip for the UK and so we're, we're going to treat the UK in a pretty hostile manner? I'm not sure about that, John, because, you see, when you use EU law, um, protection is much easier because basically you cannot tell EU citizens full stop. You cannot even pass a law that says, you know, EU citizens are going to be kicked out of this country 
uh, if they work uh, or whatever. You cannot do that because the European Court of Justice and the European Commission are going to find you, are going to stop you from doing so. Once you leave the European Union, it's up to the individual citizen to go to court and present their case. So, of course, there will be legal challenges. Of course, there will be a difficult situation for British courts, and it will obviously be a political turmoil as well. Uh, but when it comes to a kind of a collective protection, it's much more vague than what the European Union law gets to citizens. So, in terms of bargaining, bargaining with the rights of EU citizens, I think that the UK and, uh, for what matters, the, the, the other member states still have a, a huge, uh, a huge uh, leverage there, uh, because it would be up to every individual uh, EU citizen to go to the court to present their case and to actually, uh, you know, make the case that they they, they can uh, legally stay in the UK. And that, as you know, is not an easy or a cheap thing to do. So. Um, I just have one last question. You talking about the practicalities of, of citizens going against and, and uh, trying to legally challenge these decisions by the government makes me really wonder how does the UK government go about trying to find the EU citizens that it has to expel? What? Are, how does one do that? Because there's not one register of, of all EU citizens uh, to kick out of the country, is there, John? Um, no, and uh, one of the big issues with this is that we do not have um, uh, any kind of entry or exit database for people coming in and out of the country, um, particularly with the with the EU, um, because free movement means that people can just come, they have to show their passport, but they can come and work um, as long as they demonstrate their, their citizenship. Um, so, you know, the UK has absolutely no idea how many EU citizens are in the UK. I mean, we have rough estimates, but nothing precise enough that we could, say, send letters to people to tell them that they have to go home or um, or provide some kind of database with which employers could check whether somebody is uh, legally um, able to work here. Um, so I think that basic administrative problem is actually going to going to mean that this bargaining chip which Liam Fox think, thinks he has isn't going to be as strong because um, they, they aren't going to uh, be able administratively to be able to identify people and kick them out. And one last thing, I mean, the act of identifying people and kicking them out is enormously illiberal. Um, you can say to people, okay, you're going, you're, if you could identify someone, you can say to them, okay, you're going to have to go. If they refuse, what are you going to do? Are you going to send the police round? Um, I mean, I just, I, I really can't see this happening, um, either from a political or an administrative point of view. Actually, on that, on that line, um, we've seen, um, not only on, on EU migration law, but also on extra EU migration law, how difficult, uh, expelling people from, from, from countries is. Um, as you might know, one of the main problems with irregular migrants in, in Europe, and I'm not talking about EU migrants, but I'm saying extra EU migrants, is, uh, that people have scones and then it's extremely difficult to, to, to make them leave the country, uh, because it requires a lot of police work, it requires a lot of uh, resources, and because it makes you, as a government, look, as, as John said, very illiberal indeed. So I think that uh, politically and practically, um, it's, it's a very complicated exercise beyond, you know, uh, the legal considerations on whether or not you can do something based on legal predictability and, and human rights.
All right. I think that's a good point to start, probably. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, if you want to subscribe on iTunes, that would be great. If you want to give us a rating, we would really appreciate it, too. And if you want to learn more about this topic, John and Camino have also written an insight that you can find on our website at cer.org.uk. Thank you for listening to the CER podcast.